When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. In this one I'm going to go through some of my final thoughts ahead of the game week 4 deadline. So as always I cover the latest news and information as well as answering some of your questions. I should say that because it's another Friday deadline I am recording this on Thursday afternoon so some stuff might get missed or changed. Anything major I'll cover in the deadline stream, that's going to start at 4.30pm UK time on Friday. So don't miss that. And also one other thing to mention, the 50% off offer on Fantasy Football Hub is ending on Saturday. So if you haven't already signed up and you want to do that, and you want to go for one of the annual memberships that's got that 50% off, now is the time to do it. All the links you need are in the description below. So the first thing I'm going to cover is the latest transfer information that might be relevant to FPL. We already know that Kudus has joined West Ham, and he's been priced at 6.5 million in FPL. Now that is quite an enticing price for an exciting player, but I don't think we need to rush out and buy him straight away. It's a good fixture in game week four of Luton away, but after the international break, it's Man City at home and Liverpool away, which are much tougher games. And also, I'm not sure if he's going to get thrown straight into that team. Like David Moyes might bed him in slowly. He is quite a versatile attacker. He could probably play anywhere across that attack for West Ham. But if you look at the lineup they went with for Brighton, it was a 4-1-4-1. You had Alvarez behind Socek and Ward-Prowse. Now, Socek did go off with a knock. So if he's not available for Luton, maybe Kudus gets thrown in there. But Moyes does have other players that could play that role. Then you have Pakitar on the left, Bowen on the right, and Antonio number nine. Now, if none of these players are going to get sold, you'd assume that Pakitar, Ward-Prowse, and Bowen are all pretty much nailed on. Antonio probably does need managing. I don't think he can play as many minutes as maybe he has done in previous seasons. But he's still been excellent in that number nine role. And he does bring other players into play, holds the ball up well. Kudis is a slightly different profile of player. So he could play as number nine. But is David Moyes going to want to change that straight away? So I think from now until the end of the season, Kudis will get a lot of minutes for West Ham. But right now, I'm not quite sure where that will be in terms of positioning. And I don't know if he'll come straight into the side against Luton. So 6.5 million, very exciting price. I've definitely got my eye on him, but I don't think he's won for game week four. So for anyone that owns Matt Turner, there might be some concerns about his minutes moving forward because Nottingham Forest are still trying to sign a new goalkeeper. Now, early on in the transfer window, we know they were looking at Dean Henderson. It now looks like he's going to go to Crystal Palace, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Instead, they've turned to Benfica. And I'll just apologize in case I completely butcher how you're supposed to say this name, but they're trying to sign Vlahodimos. Now, I don't really know much about him. I think he was linked with Man United at one point. I did put out a tweet asking whether people thought he would take over the number one jersey straight away. And I got mixed responses. Some people said, yeah, definitely. He's going to be number one as soon as he joins. Some people said it will depend on Matt Turner. If he keeps putting in good performances, he should keep the shirt. But at some point, Cooper might change it. I had Benfica fans happy that Vlahodimos was being sold. I had rival fans to Benfica saying they were unhappy he was being sold, i.e. they don't rate him. I don't really know what's going to happen. I think the most sensible take would be that Turner will keep the number one shirt, but at some point down the line, 
Vlahodimos might start instead. So it is a bit of a concern, but ultimately for FPL, he's only 4 million. So if he sits on your bench for a while and doesn't play, it's not really the end of the world. Whenever people wildcard, they're going to change to Ariola anyway. And it's not like you're relying on Turner to be your number one goalkeeper. Almost everyone has paired him with a 4.5 or even a higher priced goalkeeper. I've got Pickford, some of you have got Fleck and Johnson, Anana, etc. So even if like in game week five, you wanted to play Turner against Burnley, then you can still do that. And if he doesn't play, is that annoying? Yeah, of course it is. But you've got a goalkeeper on your bench that's definitely going to play instead, unless you're a Johnston owner. And again, I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so I don't think it's really that much of a concern. I think the most likely thing to happen is that Turner will get a chance to kind of prove that he is the number one. And obviously, like I said, if those performances drop, maybe then he'll swap. So yeah, slight concern. But in FPL, in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that big of a deal for most people. So another exciting player joining the Premier League is Ansu Fati, who's moved to Brighton on loan from Barcelona. Now, at the time of recording, it's not yet official, so we don't have an FPL price or anything like that. I'm just going to assume he's going to be 6.5 million like everyone else. There is a chance because he's come from Barcelona that he could be 7, but I suspect he'll be 6.5. Either way, he's not going to be an option straight away. We need to see where Zerbi is going to use him. There is no guarantee that he goes straight into that first 11. And I know some people will have the attitude that he's so good he's got to play. But we've seen De Zerbi is more than happy to rotate. Look at João Pedro. I think he was the most expensive signing that Brighton have ever made. And he's missed two of the first three games. So De Zerbi has his way of playing. He has a way that he wants his players to play. And if you don't do that, you won't be used. The interesting thing is the knock-on effect to other players. Because I looked on Transfer Market and Fatty's main position is left wing. He has played right wing as well. But obviously left wing is where Matoma plays. Now, I don't think all of a sudden that Matoma is going to lose his place or anything like that. So if you've got him and you want to play him against Newcastle at home, no problems with that whatsoever. But after game week five... When Europa League starts up, we might see a bit more rotation or just generally minutes being managed. So it might be that kind of game week 6, 7, 8, etc. Matoma plays to kind of 65, 70, 75 minutes and then gets subbed a little bit earlier. Whereas in the first three games, we've seen him play 90, 80, 90. Or it could be that Deserbi keeps Matoma on the left and he plays Ansu Fati on the right instead. In which case, someone like Solly March, or I can't, oh yeah, he's at the top. Solly March might start losing minutes instead. Who knows? With Deserby, I kind of expect that any player in that team could play any position. He's that type of manager. And I'm sure Ansu Fati will get lots of minutes. I just think I want to see a bit first in terms of where they are and how that affects other players. So if you're kind of on the fence and you kind of want to sell Matoma, this might be the excuse you need to do it. I would say for anyone that's got Brighton players outside of, outside of João Pedro, you can probably just hold them for this week if you're intending to play them anyway. So I mentioned Dean Henderson earlier, and it does look like he's going to join Crystal Palace. So if you're a Sam Johnson owner, there is maybe something to worry about there, especially if you've got Matt Turner as well. And the logical argument that most people are going to make is why would Dean Henderson leave Man United as a number two to join Crystal Palace as a number two? Surely he's only joining with the promise of being number one. And I do kind of get that argument. But Dean Henderson doesn't have a lot of love for Man United, given what happened with De Gea and him not get, being given a chance and stuff like that. And also, there's no chance he becomes number one at Man United. That is Anana's position. The only way Henderson will play is cup competitions or if Anana gets injured. Whereas moving to Crystal Palace, he might not have a guarantee from Hodgson right now that he will be number one, like immediately. But he has a chance of being number one, more so than he does at Man United. So... If I had Johnson and Turner, okay, I'd be a little bit worried, but I don't think anything's going to happen straight away. 
And obviously the next match from an FPL point of view is Wolves at home on Sunday. Dean Henderson is not going to start that game. So you've got a little bit of breathing room before you have to make a decision. I wouldn't rush into changing Johnston this week. And obviously you can wait and see what Roy Hodgson says in the press conference as well. So yes, Dean Henderson has not moved to sit on the bench full-time at Crystal Palace. He's going to want to be number one. It doesn't mean it's going to happen straight away, but at least he knows he has a chance. And Man United, that's just not going to happen. So if you've got Johnson and Turner, a little bit of worry, I probably wouldn't do anything in game week four. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So this next sign is one that I don't think most people expected to see, and that is Cole Palmer moving from Man City to Chelsea. And the first player we need to talk about is Raheem Sterling, because he's very popular this week, and a lot of people have asked me whether the sign of Palmer will affect him at all. Because for Man City recently, we've seen Palmer play on the right, and that's where Sterling has been lining up for Chelsea. Now, in my opinion, this signing makes almost no difference to Sterling. I think he'll continue to play on the right, and if Palmer does get a start there... I think Sterling simply moves to the left. He can play in both positions. And I think the experience that he has over most of that Chelsea squad, especially the new signings, is going to be really important to Pochettino. Plus, he's looked good in all the games for Chelsea so far as well. So I think he continues to start. The only thing it might change is his overall minute. So if Sterling is playing and Palmer is sat on the bench and Chelsea are winning comfortably, then you've got a like-for-like replacement. Pochettino might make that change. But, I mean, he already had Madueke on the bench. So does it really make that much difference? I don't think so. I think, ultimately, Palmer has been signed as a very young player that's got a lot of potential that could become worth more than what Chelsea are going to pay. Sorry, And also, he can play in other positions. Like, if you check on transfer market, the positions he's played the most in his career, it's actually in that number 10 role rather than on the right. Obviously, we've seen him play there for Man City recently, but he's played number 10 quite a lot. And who are Chelsea missing right now? And Kunku and Chukwemeka. So it might be that Palmer has been brought in as number 10 cover. And then in the future, when Nkunku's back, Palmer can cover other positions. And it's generally just a young player that Chelsea can use more and more over the next few years. So look, whether or not this is a good signing for the amount of money involved, I don't know. Obviously, we'll see that over the next couple of years. But in terms of how it affects Chelsea, the one player most people are concerned about is Sterling. And I just think it's going to make almost no difference to him whatsoever. So I need to add a little bit on the end here because I got so caught up talking about Raheem Sterling that I forgot to talk about Cole Palmer as an actual FPL option. He is priced at just 5 million. So potentially he's incredible value, but it's going to come with all the normal caveats. We don't know exactly where he's going to fit into this Chelsea team. We don't know if he's going to get regular starts. We don't know if he's going to get regular minutes. And for that reason, I would probably avoid him for now. And obviously because Chelsea have got such good fixtures, now is the time to buy their players. Chilwell, Gusto, maybe Sanchez, Sterling, Jackson. So if you're looking at doubling or tripling up, and you're now worried whether or not you should leave a space to get Palmer in, I probably wouldn't worry about it. By the time you're sure that he's going to get regular minutes, the good fixtures are probably close to being over. So 5 million at some point this season could be great, but probably not right now. 
All right, that's enough of new signings. Let's get into some of your questions. So what are your thoughts on Rodri? I know he's a holding midfielder, but he seems to be getting those edge-of-the-box Lampard-esque goals with some consistency now. And obviously, he is very cheap from an FPL point of view as well. The interesting thing is, there was a quote out recently where he said, Gundogan and De Bruyne played much higher than me, so I needed to cover them. But now with Mateo, and obviously that's Kovacic, I can go forward more. He's a very experienced player and a smart player. It's easy to play with him. He has a special ability to break lines with the ball. So I don't think this is a blip where Rodri is just getting lucky with goals. I do think he is playing a little bit further forward, and he said that himself. Whether or not he now becomes an FPL option, I'm still not really sure about. And I keep coming back to the fact that we don't really need loads of value players unless you're trying to fit Salah in. And I feel like most people with Salah are thinking about selling him right now. So until we get to game week nine, which I've talked about recently, possible captaincy and stuff like that, do we need these value players? And is Rodri now so good that he should take up one of our four or five midfield slots? Probably not. Like I had a look on Fantasy Football Hub. Again, if you want to sign up for this, links in the description below. Still up to 50% off. That's going to change tomorrow on Saturday. Uh, and Rodri's stats for the first three games, and obviously the caveat being it is just a very small sample size, is 0.37 non-penalty expected goals, 0.22 expected assists. If he could keep those numbers up for the entire season, he would be incredible value and probably worth going for. But obviously, it is only three games. We'd have to see a lot more to know that is going to be the case. It's whether or not you want to take that gamble right now. If you compare that to last season... So if I look at Rodri's stats for the whole season, it was 0.13 non-penalty expected goals, 0.17 expected assists, so quite a bit lower. So there has been some improvement, but as I've said, it is a very small sample size. The other thing you've got to consider is whether or not he beats any of the midfielders you've already got. Like, I've got Rashford, Fernandes, and Bermo, Saka, Martinelli. I might get Sterling or Madison. People are looking at Foden. There's Matoma. There's possibly Kuda soon. People like Jared Bowen. There's so so. Let me get my words out. So many midfielders that names that I can just reel off. Does Rodri fit in ahead of any of them? It's not just necessarily about the value. It's about taking up one of those spots. And also think about Man City. Like right now, I've only got Haaland, but people are possibly looking at Ruben Diaz, Vardiol, Foden, Alvarez. You know, some people want to go to Edison. There's also a lot of Man City players. Do you want to block being able to go for one of them by having Rodri in your team? So I think there is a chance that he improves on the goals and assists he got last year if he keeps playing that bit further forward and obviously Kovacic and other players can cover him. Whether or not he becomes an FPL option, I think probably not. So with all the talk about Madison and Sterling, is it time to move Rashford on? And then this person goes on to say, I'll bench him game week four anyway. And if so, is it worth a minus four? And this is not the first person I've seen considering a minus four for Rashford out this week. Just on that last point, and this might apply to other transfers people are thinking about making. If you're happy to bench Rashford, that must mean you think you've got someone really good to play instead. Because I know he's got Arsenal away, but usually if you own that kind of player, you always play them. So you've got someone really good. So if you take the minus four, not only are you spending points for the privilege of removing Rashford, you're also benching that really good player. So I don't really see how it's worth it. And I think that would be my standard answer for anyone, right? Just don't take a minus four to get rid of Rashford. If maybe you don't think Jao Pedro is going to play and you need money to upgrade him, the only way to do that is to downgrade Rashford. Maybe that works. But for most people, you don't need to take a minus four. I guess generally, actions speak louder than words. 
I could make this move for free. Right? I could take Rashford out for Madison and Austin. I don't own either of them. As I spoke about in team selection, I'm thinking about doing Martinelli to Sterling. I could then do Rashford to Madison for free. I've not given that any thought whatsoever. I think Rashford's a really good option going forward. And I think people are underestimating how good Man United's fixtures are. Okay, this week it's Arsenal away, not ideal. Although there has been goals in that fixture before. And if Man United play on the counter, Rashford's very good at that. Maybe he gets a bit of uh, luck in front of goal. Who knows? Either way, on paper, I agree. It's a tough fixture. After that, Brighton at home. No clean sheet so far. A lot of that game will depend on how Man United approach it. If they try and play, Brighton might just play through them. But if they take inspiration by how West Ham played, on the counter, once again, Rashford could get some joy. So a team that's got no clean sheets in game week five... Then it's Burnley away game week six, back-to-back home games against Palace and Brentford, Sheffield United away in game week nine. And as I've said in other videos, okay, Man City at home in game week 10 is tough, but then it's Fulham away, Luton at home, Everton away for a player that is absolutely nailed in that team and generally has pretty good goal threat. Now, I know what people are going to say. He's not been great so far in neither of Man United, but we're basing this on a three-game sample size, first of all, two of which he's played as a number nine rather than on the left. There's rumours that Hoyland might be in the squad against Arsenal. Probably not going to start. But either way, if Martial's fit, he'll probably be the number nine and Rashford will be on the left. And then after the international break, when Hoyland is available, Rashford should play in his preferred position. And against Forrest, he was a little bit better, even though he didn't get a huge amount of shots off. And the other thing for me is, people watch Man United and Rashford and think they've been awful, but Rashford has still put up 0.27 expected goals per 90, 0.22 expected assists. These are not amazing stats, but they are not bad either, and he is definitely capable of better. And Man United have put up the third most expected goals so far. So if they're playing badly and doing those kind of numbers, what will happen when it improves, and when they've got better fixtures, and when Hoyland is in the team? So... Look, if I was on a wild card, would I consider having Madison and Sterling instead of Rashford? Maybe. But even at that point, I don't think it's a no-brainer. And honestly, I've not given it a second's thought. And that is not Man United bias. I just think people are underestimating how good Rashford can be and are basing it off too small of a sample size. And also, by the way, if we think that Man- uh, sorry, Arsenal away this week is tough for Man United, which it is, guess what Madison has got in game week six? He's got Arsenal away, followed by Liverpool at home. So the next two fixtures are really good for Spurs, but the two after that are difficult. And again, you could look longer term and say, well, they get better. Well, guess what? They get better for Man United as well. So I like Madison and Sterling. I don't think it's worth getting rid of Rashford. I certainly don't think it's worth it for a minus four. So is it okay to bench Estrepinian for game week four and in other bad fixtures? His high ownership and attacking potential puts me off a bit. And I completely get that. He's owned by over 64% of all FPL managers. And we know how attacking he can be. But clean sheets are still very important. And I think most people would agree there's a high chance that Newcastle will score against Brighton. And the other thing to remember is the Newcastle defence is pretty decent. So Estrepinian's chances of getting attacking returns will be slightly lower than normal as well. So then it all comes down to who's on your bench that you could play instead my general thinking with attacking defenders like this is i won't go out of my way to bench them so for my own team for example i'm currently playing him i could use a spare transfer to bring someone in with a higher chance of a clean sheet and bench him but i don't think that's worth a transfer i'd rather hold that till next week so i won't go out of my way to bench him but if you've got certain defenders you can consider it so let's look at the fixtures and straight away no i would not play bulldog 
ahead of SGP now. And there's, there's rumours that he might even leave. But either way, I don't think the Sheffield United defence is good enough. I think if you've got Pinnock or Henry, you could consider playing them against Bournemouth at home instead of Estupinian. I think Chilwell for sure and Gusto against Nottingham Forest. Diaz or Vardio against Fulham if you think they both start. And then that's probably it, right? I mean, you could go for Anderson or someone like that against Wolves, but they don't have any attacking threat really, or not much anyway. So I'd rather go for the attacking defender in that scenario. Udogi is a close one. I think if I had to, like, I'm playing both of them, but if I had to only select one, let's say I had Ruben Diaz on my bench, I think I would probably bench the guy away from home, even though Estupinian's fixture is harder. But that is a tougher call. You could maybe play a doggy ahead of him, but I think in that case, I'd go for the ownership and the attacking threat uh, from Estupinian. The other thing that people are probably considering is Estupinian versus Saliba. Now, in that case, both quite likely to lose the clean sheet, I would say. In which case, again, I would go for the more attacking defender. If you think there's a really high chance that Arsenal will keep the clean sheet, you could play Saliba instead, but that isn't what I would do. So is it okay to bench him? Of course it is, right? But it all depends who you've got. I think you need to be really sure they're going to start and really sure they've got a much higher chance of a clean sheet. And if it's close, I would always take Estupinian instead. So are hits worth it if you have a good rank at this stage? And my general feeling with hits is you either need them or you don't. It doesn't matter if you're doing badly. It doesn't matter if you're doing well. It doesn't matter if you've taken hits in the past and they haven't worked. It doesn't matter if you've taken them and they have. You either need the hit or you don't. What your overall rank is should have no bearing on the decision whatsoever. People fall into the trap of, well, I've earned extra points, therefore I can spend more points. If you don't need that hit, you're just giving points away and giving those people behind you more of a chance to catch up. So I've put João Pedro on screen. Let's say you're someone with João Pedro, bit of a minutes risk. You've got Luke Shaw injured on your bench. You've still got Reese James because you have to deal with other stuff. And you've got someone else on your bench as well that's not going to play. At that point, you may well be down to 10 men or less in game week four. At that point, could a hit be considered? Absolutely. Obviously, if you get word that or word from Deserby that João Pedro might start, then there's more of a case to keep hold of him. But in that scenario, maybe a hit is worth it. If you look at my team, where I am doing pretty well, I'm 225k ranked. That's not bad for this stage of the season. Although it's worth bearing in mind that the ranks are kind of quite close together because the points are quite tight. Like I've got a pretty good team. Could I use a hit because I've got a good overall rank? Maybe. But if the team doesn't need it, why would I bother thinking about it? And I know people will say, well, you get ahead and stuff like that. I don't think it's the right way to weigh up hits because later on in the season... You might be doing badly, and then you might need a hit, and you'll feel like you haven't got the points to spend. It's just the wrong way to look at it. You either need the hit, or you don't. So this is a good question to end on. Who do you prefer, Brian Imbermo or James Madison? And I know people are shouting at the screen right now, saying it's definitely James Madison. How are you even going to give this any thought? But I think the conversation is similar to Madison versus Sterling. It depends how long-term you're thinking. So next two game weeks, I definitely pick Madison, right? Burnley away, Sheffield United at home. That is better than Bournemouth at home and Newcastle away, which is what Brentford have. But next four game weeks, I think it swings back to Imbermo because he then gets to play Everton at home and Forest away, whereas Madison plays Arsenal away and Liverpool at home. So if I'm looking for a player for four game weeks, I probably would pick Imbermo over Madison. I know that's going to sound crazy to lots of people, but I'd probably have to stick to my guns there. Longer term, if I'm looking five plus weeks, then yeah, I probably would go for Madison. I think he's looked great for Spurs so far. But I think some people are underestimating how good of an option Imbermo is because his minutes are fantastic, which to be fair, Madison's are as well, but he's also on penalties. 
That's not a definite for Madison. It's a possibility, but I think Son will take them. I guess if he was off the pitch, then maybe Madison would be next in line. And possibly he could be first choice, but it's not a guarantee like it is for Imbermo. So I think two weeks Madison, four weeks in Burmo, long-term take your pick. Most people will go for Madison. I wouldn't argue against that. The only thing to bear in mind, because most people will say, well, I'll surely take the longer view there and just go for Madison. Think about when you might wildcard, because if it is around game week nine or game week eight, then you should prioritize the better fixtures that are coming sooner rather than later. So what I'm trying to say is if you're wildcarding in game weeks eight or nine, then I think Inbermo is definitely better than Madison when you factor in the fixtures he's got, plus the penalty situation as well. Generally, I think Mad- not to try and sit on the fence, because I've just given an answer, to be fair, I would still pick Inbermo. Between Madison, Inbermo, Sterling and Foden, if he gets minutes, they're all probably quite close. And you're going to have lots of decisions this season where you're picking from two or three very good players. And sometimes it's going to go right and sometimes it's going to go wrong. All I'll say is, as someone that owns Inbermo right now, I've got no intention to sell him anytime soon. I do have the money to go from him to Madison. And a bit like getting rid of Rashford for a minus four for free, I've not given that any thought whatsoever. I'm more than happy to keep him for the long term. So am I worried every time I watch a Spurs game because I don't own Madison? Absolutely. But I don't think he's essential. I think people are panicking about him a little bit too much. Of course, if you're making a midfield change, you want him. Absolutely go for him. But there's going to be lots of players that you don't own that are going to do well this season, especially when everyone is so accessible. So I'll leave it there. If you've enjoyed that video, give it a like. Hit that subscribe button as well. If you're listening on podcasts, please do remember to rate five stars. That really helps out. And by the way, on YouTube, I should just say, I'm trying to hit 375k before the international break. So if you haven't subscribed and you've enjoyed the content, please do hit that button. And if you haven't checked out Fantasy Football Hub, links in the description below. Don't forget that that 50% off on annual memberships is going by Saturday. So if you want to get signed up to that, now is the time to do it. Otherwise, I will catch you later on for the deadline stream starting at 4.30pm UK time. I'll catch you later. Sports Social Podcast Network.